Know Your Food with Warty, episode 98. For links and more, visit the show notes at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 98. See you there. Hey everyone, welcome to Know Your Food with Warty. I'm Warty in Southwest Oregon, a traditional food blogger at Traditional Cooking School by Ganalfglins. You can find me at traditionalcookingschool.com and knowyourfoodpodcast.com. I'm so glad you're here. This is the podcast where we're all about embracing whole foods, raised, saved, and prepared with traditional methods. It's fun, it's delicious, and it's healthy. You're on your way to looking good, feeling good, and most importantly, doing good. Good morning, everyone. I hope your new year is going great. And if you've made any goals for this year, that you're putting them in place and haven't left them by the wayside yet. And a real big part of that is really being intentional. Um, so if you have a goal for the new year about, well, let's say cutting back on sugar, you got to set yourself some boundaries. Like I'm going to have one dessert a week and that's it. Um, and decide when it's going to be, even decide what it's going to be. Give yourself the um, tools to implement it. Also give yourself the tools to resist the temptation to break it. So let's say you were going to cut back on sugar and your thing you were going to allow yourself was to eat it once a week. Well, then what are you going to do all those other times? Um, do you have alternatives? Do you have lots of healthy food around? So if you get the munchies, you're not turning to sugar, but you're turning to something good. So think about what else you like to eat that's not sugar and make sure that's around. Also, uh, let's, let's just continue with example. Let's say it is sugar that you're cutting back on. Well, there are alternatives. And one great, um, one great thing to do is if you, like, like me, you like to drink sweet tea um, or a slightly sweetened um, beverage, depending on the time of the year, so cold or hot. Well, stevia really steps in if you can do stevia, which is an herb that's sweet, tastes sweet, but is not sugar. Um, and the sweet leaf brand is fantastic for no aftertaste. So I really rely on sweet leaf, either the drops or they have these little tablets that are perfect for a teacup. I really rely on those to, um, you know, fulfill that sort of, I need a little bit, something sweet to drink, but it's not sugar. So that has really helped me kick the sugar habit. Um, so this is going to take me right into the tip of the week. I've just kind of led into it, but I want to give you something specific something specific you can do uh, for the tip of the week today. And, you know, maybe yours is to cut back on sugar. Um, so the tip of the week here that I'm going to talk about is a morning routine. In the past, I've told you um, a great thing to do every morning is to get a drink, have a drink of water, just replenish what you've lost during sleeping and set yourself up hydrated for everything your body needs to accomplish during the day. Well, I want to expand on that with more of a morning routine. So um, what else do you need to do for your health? Well, a big part of your health is your mind, and that's setting yourself up for success during the day. And the reason that I mentioned goals before was because I had a goal myself um, this year. Actually, it's been, on the, it's been on my mind for several months, but I decided I was going to start it up in the new year, and that was to be more intentional about my morning routine. And so I knew that if I was going to succeed, I would have to pave the way 
to make it happen. So rearrange things in my schedule to free up the morning. So I had to plan it specifically. What were those things that would hang me up in the morning? I need to get those out of the morning, make arrangements. I also needed to plan exactly what I was going to do each morning so that I would do it. So I wouldn't, um, you know, wake up and be like, well, what am I going to do? Well, no, I've got a plan for it. So this is all about setting and keeping goals. So now let's talk specifically about that morning routine. And um, yours may be different, but I found, well, you might be wondering, how does this, um, how does this relate to food? Well, it's very important, I think, uh, to start your day right. So yes, that glass of water, but we're talking about your mind and just starting your day right so that you're not waking up just crazed, but you're waking up and you spent some intentional time thinking and planning for the day. And uh, so it just kind of paves the way for all the other things in life to go more smoothly when you've started out intentional in your thinking and planning and reflecting on the day. Um, So I'm going to give you an example of a 20-minute morning routine. I'm going to tell you what I'm doing. Okay, and I do take a little bit longer than 20 minutes, but I've given you an example here of how easy it is to add this in 20 minutes. Um, You can switch things around. You can do whatever you'd like. But here's just an example of a 20-minute morning routine to start your day right. Okay, so we're just going to, you're out of bed. and, um, And if you're not an early riser, that's fine. Do it when you're rising. Maybe over time, try to shift your rising earlier to account for the time. Or if you absolutely have no time in the morning, maybe get up a half hour earlier so that you can do this. Okay, so here it is. You're you're up out of bed, you've gone to the bathroom, you know you've you've stretched if you need to, you know, just that get that kink out of your back or whatnot. You've started some water for tea. So within five minutes, you've got a paper and pencil and a cozy place on the couch or you've got a laptop. Um, Because this does rely on, you know, having some notes ahead of time. So I'm going to assume this is done, and I'll talk about what you need ahead of time, you know, so you can start tomorrow, let's say. All right, so you're going to spend the first five minutes in prayer. And um, it helps me to have um, documented the things that I'm praying for, and it'll change over time. So I keep a note in Evernote where I've just typed up my ongoing prayer requests for me, family, friends, business, members, you know, all of you, and I write out what I pray for, and I go through that, and I pray. I start out by praying, Uh, but the very first thing on my prayer is what I'm thankful for, and the very last thing on my prayer is guidance for that particular day, so I just open with prayer. The next five minutes, I spend, well, three to five minutes um, reciting scripture. I have a list of scriptures that I just really want to commit to memory and commit to flow and rhythm and just get them in my heart. And so I say them out loud. And it's about three to five minutes for that. Next um, is I spend five minutes reading. You can accomplish a lot if you just read five minutes a day. So whatever book you're working through, you want to work through, read it for five minutes in the morning. Um, and so the Bible, you could rotate through the Bible here, you could rotate through other books. So I'm rotating through the Bible. I'm also rotating through 1,000 Gifts, um, which is a book that we're studying in the traditional cooking school with traditional cooking school members. We have a book club just started up again, and we're going through 1,000 Gifts. So that's in my rotation. And next is five minutes of journaling. 
And um, journaling for me was always a challenge, and it probably will continue to be a challenge to keep up with it. But I recently stumbled on a tip at michaelhyatt.com where you use a journal template. So, you know, rather than just writing whatever you want, which some people are gifted at, but I am not, um, you have a template and you go through um, three sections yesterday, now, and today. And for yesterday, you talk about what you're thankful for. I'll include this template that I'm following in the show notes, so then you could use it if you'd like. But basically, you're talking about what you're thankful for, um, what you learned, what you read since the last time you journaled. That's in the uh, yesterday section or the past section. In the now section, it's how are you feeling right now? Um, And there's one other question, which I can't remember. And then in the today, it's what are my plans for today? What do I? What one thing do I need to accomplish today? And I find that that is um, very powerful because it helps you think about the day ahead and the most important thing, one thing that's the most important for you to accomplish. And my goal is actually only to have one thing written down. So far, I've kind of had two or three things written down under that question. But I think if we can focus on one thing a day, it helps reduce the overwhelm. It increases the ability to focus. It increases... um, just overall productivity and quality of your work. So you're not rushing from here to there. You're not like, you know, I have 15 million things to do today, but I have one thing that I have to get done today, whether it's business or personal, children, whatever, and to do it well. We need to have margin in our life. That's one of the things that I've accomplished by having this morning routine that takes 20 minutes is to start the day um, very purposeful. So I know what I'm going to do. My mind is in the right place. I've reflected on what I've learned. I've written it down, which is so powerful. Like I can scan through the past week and see the things that I've learned. And they're just really powerful things about faith, life, relationships, God. Um, It's really made a huge impact on my day. So that is the tip of the week. I encourage you to add a morning routine. Um, And I do want to add that all has to do with mind, the water, Drinking something has to do with your body. There's more you can do for your body. Like you could add five minutes of stretching. You could add 20 to 30 minute exercise, which is what I do every other day. I add 20 to 30 minutes of um, exercise. So, you know, you could make it up to an hour if you had an hour to devote to it. You could change the things around from what I've said to your priorities. But But the tip of the week here has to do with use that morning time that important morning time to set the tone for the rest of your day. And what would be what would be crucial to you? What would make a difference to you and your life and your health and your family if you were able to do it every morning? Rearrange your schedule, plan it out, um, get up earlier if you need to, commit to it, be intentional to it, and also make it short and doable. You know, like this 20 minutes is very doable. We've got a great question today from Nadia. She says, Wardy, I've now baked with my sourdough quite a few things. Your chocolate cake, biscuits, uh, bread of all kinds. It all comes out crusty-ish. I really need a recipe or technique for a soft bread and soft buns, sort of like store-bought hamburger buns or soft sandwich bread. Is it possible to create a soft roll bun bread out of sourdough? Help. And then she added later, to clarify... 
By soft, I mean soft on the outside, not crusty. It seems the long rising time is hardening the outside, no matter how well I cover it with a towel for the second rise. Everything just seems to come out hard on the outside. I try putting them in a plastic bag after the stuff cools a bit. This softens the crust, but it's still really thick and just too chewy. Okay, Nadia, I do have um, about three suggestions for you here. Because this is an issue, especially whole grain, sourdough, um, it drying out when it rising. You're going to get a heavier bread product than that hamburger bun you're mentioning. But you can do a couple things. Um, first one is do the same thing you're doing, but put a pan of water in the oven while baking. So that'll just, you know, there'll be humidity in the oven that'll keep it soft. Second thing you can do is make an adjustment um, to your flour. So if you're using whole wheat flour, that's going to have a heavier end result than if you were to use spelt, for instance. And in the sourdough e-course at Traditional Cooking School, I've got a whole lesson that goes in detail about spelt and how to use it because the flour um, has different properties. It's like gloppy and it wants to spread out. So buns are actually very ideal for spelt and spelt overall yields a softer end product. Um, So you might try that. The third thing you can do is, how about if I give you a different recipe? Well, recently on the blog, Aaron shared English muffin soda bread out of sourdough. It's the English muffin dough, um, but instead of making English muffins, at the end you mix in the salt and baking soda, shape that into a loaf and bake it. Well, you can do the same thing. Um, Instead of a loaf, you can make buns out of it, and um, it's fabulous. So that recipe is at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash soda bread, and I'd recommend you try it for buns. In fact, right there on the recipe, she has directions for buns. She even has a picture. And to me, they look like a lot like my soft spelt buns. So give that a try and let me know how it goes at the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 98. Let's take a quick break and then I'll be right back. Hi, I'm Wardy, a traditional cooking expert and food blogger at Ganalflins.com. For years, my family struggled with food-related health problems, but we don't anymore. And I'd love to show you that preparing whole foods with traditional methods is easy, delicious, and super good for you too. So just go to traditionalcookingschool.com free, and I'll show you how easily you can do it too. I'll give you five free videos that include my favorite traditional cooking techniques, plus printable at-a-glance fact sheets as a handy reference. So, if you're ready to start looking good, feeling good, and most importantly, doing good, then visit traditionalcookingschool.com free today. All right, I'm back and I am thrilled to introduce you to my guest today, Agatha Novell. She's an herbalist and author residing in Northwest Georgia. She's interested in herbal emergency preparedness, community wellness topics, and native and naturalized plants. You can find her at IndieHerbalist.com, where Indie is spelled I-N-D-I-E. And she's also the author of a great book called The Independent Herbalist, A Beginner's Guide to Herbal Preparedness. And you can find that at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash independent herbalist. When Agatha and I got together uh, to visit, we talked all about herbs. She has an amazing health story. She's learned a lot about herbs. Um, She's a great resource, and she really brings a common sense approach to herbs, helping guide you with the most common safe usage of herbs, just kind of across the board from finding 
using, storing, and turning your herbs into very useful household and healing products. And let me give you a heads up that when I was visiting with Agatha, I got the show episode number wrong. I said it was 97, but it's really 98. So anytime I mention the show notes, just mentally change that number in the link to 98 and you'll be good. And the link to the show notes again is knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 98. So here we go. You get to meet Agatha. Hey everyone, this is Wardy, and I'm here today with Agatha Novell, the independent herbalist. Hi, Agatha. Hi, Wardy. Thanks so much for joining me. I just love hearing about herbs, and you seem to be a woman in the know, so I can't wait to talk to you about it. Let's start first by you telling us about you, where you live, and your family, and just about your life. Oh, sure. Um, I live in Northwest Georgia, and um, I have a couple cats and do a lot with my family um, that live in Atlanta, so I travel back and forth a lot, but um, they're still close enough that we get to do a lot together, so that's fun. Fantastic. And so you love herbs. You're the independent herbalist. So tell us about that journey. How did you get into herbs? Did you have a life-changing moment where they made a big difference for you, or just how did that all happen? I actually did have kind of a life-changing event. Um, I was about... 20, um, 20 years old and I was diagnosed with Lyme disease and, um, herbs became really an important thing for me and recovery from that since I had so many side effects, um, from, uh, the, the disease itself and you just get so run down with Lyme that it can be really hard to rebuild afterwards. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about that. Like what was your, well, how did, do you know how you got Lyme disease? How did you feel? Um, what did the herbs do for you? Tell us the story. Sure. Um, essentially, I had started to feel really, really run down and sick all the time. And it had been years since I went to a doctor. It's just, it's not very common for me to get sick. Um, thankfully, you know, I have a very healthy lifestyle. And um, when I went to the doctor, they couldn't really find anything wrong with me. And um, so, of course, they wanted to say, oh, uh, you know, chronic fatigue or, um, fibromyalgia. And I spoke with a friend of mine who was a retired nurse and her commentary on it was that I was outside all the time. Um, I had a horse at the time and I love to go hiking and to garden. And she thought, you know, maybe to have them test me for Lyme since I spent so much time out of doors. Um, a lot of people think when you get Lyme, you'll present with a rash or you'll know you were bitten. And unfortunately that's not really the case. So um, I went back to the doctor and said, hey, would it be possible to test for this? And at first they were like, well, the likelihood of that where you live isn't that great, but we have done every other test, so why not? And sure enough, the test came back and it was mm. positive. And um, the doctor was pretty surprised, um, but you know, at the same time it, it fit with the symptoms I'd been experiencing. So um, and at did antibiotics. And at that point, mm -hmm. you'd been sick or not feeling well for how long? Um, almost two years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was pretty extreme. And uh, thankfully, you know, I never got to the point that a lot of people do with the disease um, because it can be so, so debilitating. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, we did antibiotics and they helped uh, to a point. And my blood test came back clear. 
So after that, it was really a matter of figuring out how to rebuild my system so that I wasn't having um, the, the fatigue and the muscle pains and the, the disorientation and the just feeling like I was in a fog all the time. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had been working at a health food store. And so thankfully I had access to a lot of very knowledgeable people and a lot of good information um, that definitely helped. So, mm-hmm. so what were some of the things that then you implemented to rebuild your strength in your body? Um, absolutely. I uh, focused a lot on adaptogen herbs, which is a class of herbs that help your body um, better handle stress and um, basically make your whole system stronger. So a lot of athletes like to use them. Um, people that have really stressful jobs um, use them. They just really help to uh, rebuild your system and help with the way you can handle stress. Um, and I focused on immune building herbs as well. So uh, there's a book um, that was very useful to me. Um, I believe it's Curing Lyme Naturally is the name of it. And I, I can't remember the author at the moment. Okay, let me just say for our listeners, I'm going to look up the book and I'll make sure there's a link to it in the show notes at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 97. Okay, go on, Agatha. Okay, sure. Um, So there was a product um, that I found very helpful because it actually had a number of the different herbs that he spoke about in the book. Um, And it was Athlete's Power Tonic by Herb Farm. And um, that... That I think uh, did a great deal for me. And then also I learned about an herb called teasel. And it's actually a weed in a lot of places. Um, But in traditional Chinese medicine, it's used um, for certain types of kidney deficiency, which kind of ties in with adrenal deficiency, um, which again, when you get really stressed out, it it affects your adrenal glands. Mm -hmm. And teasel, how is that spelled? It's uh, T-E-A-S-E-L. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I am so happy. And so for you now, you you're better. Or is this a lifelong process for you? Uh, Or how would you rank how far along you've come in the recovery now? Oh, I can definitely say I am 100% better um, and stronger than I ever was. So it's been, gosh, almost eight, nine years now. Mm -hmm. So I am very happy about that. And so now you're considered somewhat of an expert in herbs. You've written a book. Um, It's called The Independent Herbalist, A Beginner's Guide to Herbal Preparedness. And for our listeners, you can find that at the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 97. Or if you want to go right to it on Amazon, just go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash independent herbalist with independent herbalist as one word. And And that's in Kindle or paperback. Correct, Agatha? That's correct. Yes. So tell us about your book. Um, I, the more I did research in, uh, into herbs and I studied with, um, the East West, uh, school of herbology. That's, um, I think they're out in California and, um, everything just seems so complicated and I wanted to find a way to help other people, um, be able to access herbs in a way that made sense and was very clear and concise. And I also kind of have a passion for emergency preparedness. And that was also something that I found very much lacking um, in the prepper community was a common sense approach to using herbs. So when I sat down and started thinking about ideas for the book, it seemed like, you know, having a beginner's guide to herbs would be a really great resource for a lot of people. 
Can I ask you what you mean by common sense approach? Not without, not, not asking you to go all negative or anything, but you said that's mm -hmm. lacking in the prepper community. Can you make that more specific for us? Like what exactly is a common sense approach and what kind of a lack were you feeling? Oh, sure. Um, to me, there just seemed to be a disconnect um, between a knowledge of the plants and um, the best ways to store herbal uh, products long term. And uh, there's a lot of misconceptions where people think, oh, well, I can just substitute herbs for drugs. And it really doesn't work that way at all. Hmm. Um, and not thinking uh, along the lines of, you know, these plants are only seasonally available. It's not like um, being able to walk down to the supermarket and, you know, just go out in the woods and find an herb any time of the year. Um, you have to know what time of year uh, the plant's going to be available, um, where you're most likely to be able to find it, um, and the best uses for it. So what I tried to do in the book was come up with um, some of the most versatile herbs um, that were also safe, but have a long history of being uh, useful and effective. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. So basically, you're covering all the basics of herbs. Um, from the seasonality of them to the most common ones and their uses and how to store mm -hmm. and how to be safe with them. Is that a good Absolutely. summary? Yes, and also um, how to prepare um, the herbs themselves into uh, different formats because you have extracts and you have syrups, you have different things that you can make with herbs. Um, mm -hmm. And so I also tried to break that down you know, as straightforward as possible. So you tell us how to do that. Like mm -hmm, absolutely make our own homemade fantastic mm -hmm. so tell us about um you said you chose the most common safe herbs so mm -hmm. give us an example of one of them that made it into the book and what its um what its uses and properties are okay sure um hawthorn is one of my favorites and it's a plant that's actually in the rose family um but it has a tradition of use for um heart health so um, a, a number of herbalists have found it useful for um, not only boosting the health of the heart specifically, but also um, in any kind of situation where you've been through something really stressful and you're feeling rattled um, and it can just help calm down um, the, the body um, and the heart rate and just reestablish a, a sense of courage almost. So it's a, it's a very interesting plant. The berry is also useful. Um, a lot of people use it as a food source. So it's actually safe enough to be considered a, a food source. Mm -hmm. Interesting. We have Hawthorne on our property, as a matter of fact. So mm -hmm. I better check that out. <laughs> so your book is obviously a great resource if someone's interested in herbs with your common sense approach and the safety and just you cover everything from the acquiring the usage and everything like that so um how would you advise somebody get started besides your book um what other resources are available um, there are a lot of really great resources um there's a website called learning herbs Mm -hmm. And um, they have a number of really great e-courses and articles and things um, that people can use when they're getting started. Um, there's a really excellent book called The Medicine Maker's Handbook by James Green. Okay. And that's one that I found very useful. Okay. 
Great. I'm making a note of these so everyone will have links to them in the show notes. Knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 97. Any others? Um, let's see. Those are the, the ones that are coming to my head right now. But Okay. Okay. Well, I've got another couple questions for you. Okay. Um, so you've covered a lot of herbs in your book, plus you probably have a lot of knowledge of others. So um, what's an herb? You mentioned teasel. And mm-hmm. you, teasel could be your answer, but maybe there's another one. But what's a little known herb, little known herb that you wish more people would get to know? You know, an herb that we don't think of as an herb that's got a lot of benefits for us that may be just readily available. People don't realize it. What's what's an herb that you'd like us to get to know? Oh, sure. Um, I think probably one of the most useful ones is called plantain. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people think plantain and they think bananas, but Mm -hmm. there's actually an herb that's called plantain as well. And it's very common, it's a weed and it's everywhere, but it's one of the best herbs we have for salve making. Mm -hmm. So um, you can also use it um, in the spring when the leaves are very small um, as a food source. So again, it's one of those multi-purpose plants that I really think everybody should know about. Mm -hmm. Can you really quick, from what little I know of herbs mm-hmm. and using herbs, I think salve is a really good way for people to start getting into herbs. Can you just walk us really quick through making a salve and maybe yes. plantain, a plantain salve? Okay, absolutely. Um, first, you want to start out with a base oil. Um, olive oil is a great one to use. And your first task would be taking your olive oil and your plantain and um, making an infused oil. So a lot of people will use their crock pot for this, um, or uh, if you're using the dried herb, you can even set it in a sunny windowsill. Um, but you want to take a, a, a small amount of the herb and add your oil and leave it in a glass jar um, somewhere where it's exposed to heat. Um, not enough to bring it to a boil, um, but just enough to make it warm enough um, that the good um parts of the herb can come out into the oil. Um, Usually you'll want to leave it, uh, if you're using your crock pot, you can have it finished in about five or six hours. If you're using the windowsill method, you'll want to leave it for up to two weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you strain out your herb. And once you have that, the amount of oil that you have is going to be roughly equivalent to your finished salve. So bear that in mind, you won't really need a large amount, Mm -hmm. um, especially if you're just gonna make a small jar. And um, then you're going to take um, about a one-to-one ratio with just plain beeswax. And um, you'll want to use an enamel pot or a glass double boiler. And uh, then uh, melt the wax and add the oil and stir it very well. And then pour it into your jar while it's still nice and warm. And um, once it's cooled down, that's your salve. And you can change the consistency of your salve by playing around with um, your ratio of beeswax and, and olive oil. Wonderful, those are great directions. When, um, when my son was little and he had eczema and we still hadn't figured out you know, all the diet issues, that's what I did was I made salves out of olive oil and I infused, um, mostly I infused calendula. Mm-hmm. And, um, Oh, they just were, they were just a lifesaver because he just itched like mad and couldn't sleep. And you know, as a baby, there's not much you can do to comfort. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. 
because they just don't really have that much control over, you know, the pain mm-hmm. and how to handle it and all that. So we just lathered him up with salve every night. Mm-hmm. And um, he slept well. It was really a lifesaver. I mean, literally, it was a lifesaver. Yeah. Calendula is fantastic for any kind of skin condition. So. Yes. So I want to mention a recent blog post that you wrote at your site, in independentherbalist.com. You've got a bucket list of 12 things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very interesting. So I'm going to have a link to that in the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 97 for anyone um, who's interested in checking that out. But I was hoping, Agatha, you could just give us, um, well, first, is this a bucket list of ideas for everyone that you've already done? Or is it a mix of things that you would like to do as well with herbs? Um, I I think I have actually done everything on that list. That was really important to me was coming up with things that I can say, you know, from experience that I've done this. Yeah. So So tell us about a couple of them, a couple of ways that you encourage people to get to know herbs better. Sure. Um, I think the first one on the list um, was kind of establishing a regular walking route um, so that you can become familiar with plants in your area. And I love to hike, I love to get outside. So that was definitely um, one that I have found extremely useful. Um, If you spend a little time with your field guide before you go out, uh, it definitely helps um, when you start to to see the different plants, you'll recognize them from what you saw in the field guide. And um, it can be a really good thing to learn how to, what they call key out a plant or figure out how to look it up in the field guide. Most field guides will have um, the plants organized uh, either by, flower color or leaf shape or a number of different ways. So um, that's always good to know how to do is, is learn how to use your field guide and get out and and do some walks. So fantastic. So everyone that is number one on this list uh, or this list of 12 things to do. You could call it an herbal bucket list or 12 herbal New Year's resolutions, whatever you want to call it. You can visit the show notes, know your food podcast dot com slash 97 to check out that one plus 11 more and Agatha I'd love to hear a little bit more about where you live and how you personally grow or harvest herbs so um, tell us what it looks like for you like do you have a big garden or do you do a lot of wild herb gathering Um, what what is your process like sure Um, right now I am actually living in a very small apartment Um, so even, I think it was just about a year ago, I had some posts on my blog that showed my current herb garden, um, back then. And, um, right now I'm working out of borrowed space in other people's gardens. And, uh, I'm actually really excited for my plans, um, this spring, um, working with my dad and, um, he's, uh, has an area, uh, on his farm, um, that he's kind of letting me take over. So I'm hoping I'm going to have a really incredible herb garden by the end of the summer. Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned walking. So, you know, you've got, you've got spots in your friend's yards. Mm-hmm. Do you pretty much grow all the herbs that you use yourself on a daily basis or daily, monthly or seasonal basis? Do you have to acquire them elsewhere? Do you get any from the wild? Sure. Um, I am actually, uh, I don't, do any wild crafting myself, which is what they call it um, when you harvest um, plants as you find them growing. Um, I, like I said, I do have a lot of borrowed garden space and um, 
I, I love violets and dandelions. So whenever my friends need their gardens weeded, they call me. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. For most of my other herbs, I go through a company called Mountain Rose Herbs. Mm-hmm. And I really can't recommend them enough. They do such a great job um, making sure that their plants are sourced from sustainable and ethical um, places and they have a lot of organic choices and their prices are really reasonable. So, um, I'm very much a do it yourself kind of person. So I love to be able to order my dried herbs from them and mix up my own tea blends or make my own salves and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Well, I echo your sentiments about mountain rose herbs. They're just up the road from us a little bit. Oh, fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. Just same area of Oregon. And, um, that's where we, that's where we purchase herbs and I like their selection. I like their quality. I like their prices. So it is Mm -hmm. a great option um, for all of us. Okay, let's take a little bit of a different turn. Um, Are there anything about herbs that you feel is important to caution people? Absolutely. Um, I think a lot of people approach herbs um, and they think, oh, well, if it's all natural, it's safe. And unfortunately, that's really not the case. herbs can interact with medications um, that people might be on, you know, that their doctor prescribes. Um, There are certain herbs that you don't want to use for children. Um, You know, other herbs that are what they consider to be low dose botanicals. Um, So unless you have a lot of experience um, and have learned from another herbalist, you would really want to stay away from those herbs. Um, Things like poke root, uh, lobelia can be considered a low dose um, if you take it too much of it, it'll, it's an emetic, it'll make you throw up. So that's no fun. Um, but it has a history of use in lung formulas. So again, it, it does have uses, you just need to be careful with it. Right. And this is why it's so important to have good resources like your book and the others you mentioned so that you can identify and have safe use and kind of know these things. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for giving us this introduction to herbs and your life. And let's just wrap up by you reviewing where everybody can find you online. Yes, thank you. Um, I My blog and website is IndieHerbalist.com. And then you can also find me on Twitter as IndieHerbalist. And I'm on Facebook. So lots of choices. Fantastic. And I feel like earlier in this episode, I may have said IndependentHerbalist.com. So I am sorry I did that. It's IndieHerbalist.com. Yes, I wanted to make it easy for people to type, but I figured independent herbalist was kind of a a long one, so. (laughs) That's fantastic. Well, thanks, Agatha. I appreciate your time. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope to see you again soon. Let me tell you what you can do next. You can visit the show notes for this episode. Just go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash, and then, without a space, just type the number of this episode. You'll get links and much more information about what we've been talking about. You can submit questions for future episodes. I love to answer your questions on the air. So go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com questions to submit them. You can stop by traditionalcookingschool.com to get five free traditional cooking videos from me. And finally, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, the podcast app, or Stitcher. If you're on a mobile device, just search for Know Your Food with Warty while you're in the app. If you're on a desktop, go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash iTunes right in your browser. While you're there, 
please do leave a rating or review. I love to get them, love to read your comments, and they're invaluable to help other people find this podcast. Thank you so much.